Does Oklahoma have a chance against the Texas Longhorns with Dylan Gabriel, without Dylan Gabriel? Well, we're going to find out this Saturday. We're not sure if he's going to be available yet, but we'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode of Locked On Sooners is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe. 24/7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege to learn more. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at SoonersWire.com. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And you can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, a couple days removed from the game. We got Red River coming up this weekend. We still don't really have much clarity as far as Dylan Gabriel's availability for this week. Probably won't find anything out until Friday, maybe even game time Saturday if Brent Venables is wanting to keep his cards close to the chest. So let's talk first about what do you think Oklahoma's chances are winning of are of winning this game if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play? If he doesn't play, I think uh, they're in a world of hurt based on what we saw versus TCU. If Davis Bevel is the guy, I mean, maybe I just can't imagine that Oklahoma was holding – all of its cards close to its chest, right? I mean, I think that probably if Oklahoma felt comfortable throwing the football with Davis Bevel, they they would have, you know, the, the route combinations that they ran, John, would have looked different versus TCU. So that part scares me for Oklahoma. The, the other thing here is, I mean, obviously none of these other quarterbacks have really – taken and uh, wowed this staff either, right? I mean, Davis Bevel is right now the backup quarterback, you would you would think, right? Uh, you know, Jeff Levy's a great offensive coordinator. Brent Venables is somebody that's been a part of winning a lot of championships. So they didn't just put Davis Bevel as the backup quarterback for no good reason. So that's a little bit frightening when you think about what does that mean for General Booty or Micah Bowens. Nick Evers, you could kind of understand because you got the true freshman factor there with him. But for all these other guys, it's – a little bit alarming about what that means for the quarterback position for Oklahoma beyond Dylan Gabriel. And obviously, I mean, it's kind of feels like maybe it's trending in that direction that Oklahoma is going to have to play this game minus Dylan Gabriel. I'm with you. I don't really like the prospects of playing this game without Dylan Gabriel. My only hope is that the score was so out of hand with Davis Bevel in the game that they just decided, you know what, we're not going to show anything this week. If we've got to go to Davis Bevel next week, then we'll, be able to un- open up the playbook a little bit more, but I got to It's kind of like what we talked about in yesterday's episode. Like, don't you want to give the guy some like more than just the 14 attempts that he had uh, on Saturday? Don't you want to give him a lot of reps, let him go hurry up a little bit and throw the ball around just to see like what we need to work on heading into the red river showdown week. I'm holding out hope that Dylan Gabriel is going to be able to play, but if he's not, it definitely creates a, very different dynamic for this offense that you don't really trust. I mean, the offense was already kind of out of sync with Dylan Gabriel in it, 
a lot of it due to Dylan Gabriel, especially on Saturday when he just wasn't hitting passes. You throw a new quarterback back there who, I mean, the dude's got a cannon on him. It doesn't seem like he's got a whole lot of touch with his throws, but he can throw it some. I just wonder if they're going to be willing to trust him to, to make throws. Like, are, are they going to throw it on first and 10? Or we're going to see a very see a very conservative approach offensively. Now let's kind of flip it a little bit. I'm assuming Dylan Gabriel is going to play. I don't have any under like any knowledge of that. I don't have any sources telling me that, but that's just kind of my my best bet. Like, I mean, he was able to walk off under his own power. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on his symptoms throughout the week and if he's able to pass concussion protocol. But my guess is he's going to play with Dylan Gabriel playing in the Red River Showdown. What do you think Oklahoma's chances are winning of are of winning this game? Well, I think Texas is the favorite in this football game for a reason right now. The defensive lapses, the defensive failures for Oklahoma against both Kansas State and TCU have me saying to myself, right now, I, I just have no confidence that on a consistent basis, they're going to be able to slow down either B. John Robinson or Xavier Worthy or any of the other weapons. And, and to me, it really doesn't necessarily matter if it's Hudson Carter, Quinn Ewers back there, John. I, I you know, to me, that's almost sadly kind of a little bit of a non-factor going into this thing, at least from the Oklahoma perspective. Uh, if Dylan Gabriel's playing, though, they've got a they've got you know better than a puncher's chance, right? I do think there's an element of maybe we are still overreacting a little bit to what was a blowout last week for Oklahoma and what just has been a nightmarish couple of weeks for Oklahoma defensively. It's uh, you know easy to forget, but we have seen, and I get that it's UTEP, Kent State, and Nebraska, but we've seen this defense play really, really good football this season. Now, those three opponents aren't, aren't great, but we've seen Oklahoma, this personnel, this, this group of personnel, go out and get into the backfield, John, wreck havoc, rack up some sacks, rack up some TFLs, be in the right spots, right? I mean, I think that's the first charge this week is just, Play your assignment. Be where the defense calls for you to be. I mean, we've seen Oklahoma do that. So it's not unthinkable that in one week's time, and especially for this game, the Red River Showdown, just all of the emotions going into it, that Oklahoma would be able to right itself a little bit. And I think, again, the the you know number one key for OU is, John, I worry about the psyche of this team if it's not Dylan Gabriel starting this football game. You know, the, the players aren't going to publicly come out and say that, but I don't know if there's a lot of people in that locker room for Oklahoma that would believe they can win this game over Texas if there's no Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with a lot of what you said there, and, and especially the part where it doesn't really matter if it's Hudson Carr or Quinn Ewers, because Hudson Card's played pretty good football the last couple of weeks. He played solid against Alabama. Yeah, they took the loss to Texas Tech, but he's pretty solid in that game and then had a really good game against West Virginia. So I think you're right. I think regardless of who plays quarterback, Texas is going to have the matchup advantage against Oklahoma's defense. Currently as things stand, what we've seen the last couple of weeks, you don't really like Oklahoma's chances of slowing down Texas's offense. I do give them, give them kind of a 50, 50 shot. If Dylan Gabriel's in the game, now it's going to be a hype environment. It's basically going to be another road environment. Is he going to be able to respond better than he did this past weekend where he was just amped up and just overthrowing guys on a regular basis. If he starts out like that, it's going to be a rough day. Potentially if the offense starts slow again 
and they only score seven points in the first quarter and maybe only 14 in the first half, which I mean, 14 in the first half, you think, oh, that's pretty decent. But with the way the defense is playing, that might not be good enough. And so you might have a team that comes out and yet again presses. But if they're able to get back to just playing one play at a time and executing that one play and not trying to do too much and just do the simple things well, then maybe, maybe they have a chance at this one. But it's hard to look at this team from the last two weeks, even against a Texas team that's not back yet themselves, and think that Oklahoma is going to be able to go in there and win. I, I, I have to see it again. Like I'm kind of in prove it mode. I was a little bit in prove it mode last week thinking, okay, I need to see this defense respond and play better. And they didn't, I did not anticipate at all the offense falling in the tank like they did. And so going into this one, I need to see both the offense and the defense make a significant step in the right direction before I begin to believe again. Um, that's not to say that they can't, I think they can, but we gotta, we gotta see it. It's, it's time to put the, put the money where the mouth is like, can't just talk about it. You gotta be about it. And so I, I don't really like their chances in this one. I mean, we're still a few days away from actually giving you our predictions and making our picks on the big 12 games. But I mean, they're right now they're a six and a half point underdog to the Texas Longhorns. And it, there's a good chance that that spread grows by the time you get to game time, especially if Dylan Gabriel's ruled out of this game. So we're going to keep talking about kind of what to expect from the Oklahoma Sooners moving forward. We're going to wonder what are their chances to get back into big 12 contention? Like, do they have a legitimate shot at being contenders by the end of the season? We're also going to talk about Oklahoma's opposition. Have they played potentially the two best teams in the conference already in big 12 play? But first we're going to talk to you about simply safe. The numbers, they don't lie. John, in the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security for, to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your, your safety, it's the only thing that matters. We know because we've uh, used Simply Safe in our homes, they protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your backs. With 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents, they call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached, John. Simply Safe, it blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alerts you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com backslash Locked on college, save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. That's right, the first month free. Visit simplysafe.com backslash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So we have all of those items that you mentioned to dive into. Let's just real quickly talk about this. How, assuming Dylan Gabriel can go, how does Oklahoma win this game? What is the recipe to win this thing for Oklahoma outside of just the generic, Hey, you got to play better uh, defensively. You have to improve. I mean, X, Y, Z, give me, give me a one, two, three of how OU can legitimately win this game because right now Texas is, you know, about a touchdown favorite. So it's not as though it's not as though the odds makers are looking at this thing, John and saying Texas is three touchdowns better than Oklahoma. 
even though the last two weeks, clearly, you know, last week was a disaster. And the week before that was obviously frustrating at home against Kansas State. So the odds makers are telling you, hey, we still know that it's OU Texas. So with that in mind, what is the recipe to a dub here? Well, I think you got to jump out early offensively. And, and I know we've been saying that for weeks, but I think it's going to have to be the ground game that really gets your team going. Uh, we've seen you know Dylan Gabriel be, you know, he was off this past week. Even if he does play, I want Oklahoma to go into this one relying heavily on the ground game. And if that means Javante Barnes, let it be Javante Barnes. Let him go in there and set a physical tone for this football team. Let the offensive line just move forward instead of having to worry about pass protecting, instead of having to worry about the RPO situation, which continues to rear its ugly head with, with ineligible men downfield penalties, which I feel like we've seen at least one of those every single week this year. If you just run the football, just play smash mouth football, get downhill, let Javante Barnes punish a few you know, Texas linebackers, Texas defensive linemen, let them set a physical tone. I mean, if Eric Gray's back and healthy, fantastic. Let's run some Eric Gray. Marcus Major, if he's back, that's even better. Run the football. Let's get downhill. Let's be aggressive. Let's not throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage and let Texas rally and tackle. Let's run the football down Texas' throat. If you can establish your running game early, I think it helps set the tone for everything else because it's going to help set a physical tone for your offense, which will carry over to your defense. If the defense can see like the offense is putting it on Texas early, then that will give them a little bit more confidence to be able to go and, and do their jobs too and not have to press and feel like they got to make a stop every single time. Um, so offensively, I think they need to try and establish the run. I, I, that's such a basic football thing to say is establish the run. But with the way that the passing game has been inconsistent the last couple of weeks, I really think that that's going to be huge for this team is that if they can get off to a great start running the football, I think that sets the tone for everything else. It is basic, but it's the OU Texas game. And I don't, the game notes, I, I haven't taken a peek at those this week yet. I don't know if they've been released this week for either Oklahoma or Texas. But history tells us that the team that outrushes the other in this game, it's in an absurd amount of time that the team that outrushes in this game over the last quarter century, 30 years, whatever it may be, they win the game. I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that, right? Outside of just the age-old take care of the football, who wins the turnover battle, typically in this Red River showdown game, if Oklahoma outrushes Texas, OU won the game. If Texas outrushes OU, Texas won the game. And really, you think about all of the heroics even a year ago, John. Caleb Williams, right, flicks it downfield. Marvin Mims makes him look like a genius. So you had some of that, those heroics. But meanwhile, everything – that happened in that game, what was what was kind of one of the underlying themes? Kennedy Brooks runs wild, right? Kennedy Brooks has the, the big game-winning touchdown run late with just a couple of seconds to spare. So I'm with you. I mean, I think, look, call it Captain Obvious, sure, but OU needs to win the rushing battle. And against somebody like B. John Robinson, what they have in the backfield, right now, if Oklahoma's rolling in with Javante Barnes as its lead runner, which could be the case, right, with Marcus Major out a week ago and now Eric Gray, is dinged up right now texas has the clear advantage and they probably did going in regardless john with b john robinson but it is more pronounced now because of some of the injury problems that oklahoma has got going on so it would be huge for ou if they can win that rushing battle i think uh yeah go ahead i was gonna say the other thing 
and I want to flip kind of to the defensive side of the football, they got to get back into a four man front. I, I don't think this three man front is helping them. And the three, the three, two situation, the three, three, if you want to call the cheetah a linebacker, I don't think it's helping them defensively. I think it's leaving too much space for them to be gashed on the ground and they're not getting any pass rush. So they got to go back to a four man alignment with Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes on the outside, Jeffrey Johnson, Jalen Redmond in the middle, because that's where you were at your best this season, rushing the passer and stopping the run is when you played four down linemen and you were in more nickel, kind of a, a heavy nickel situation where you did have your three linebackers on the field in a Guaybu, uh, Stutzman, and then Deshaun white as your cheetah. But then you, I mean, you were okay there because, you know, white can cover a little bit. He's a little bit faster or Kanick, you know, if you want to roll him out there, Harrington a little bit, if you want to run those guys out there at cheetah too, you've got options there. Even if you want to go with a straight nickel and throw Justin Broyles into the slot, I think it still gives you a better option than going with a three, three, five that just had, or the three, two, six, that just hasn't worked for them the last couple of weeks. And so I, I really think defensively, they got to get back into a four man alignment on the defensive front. I totally agree. And the fact that they Oklahoma didn't want to shift out of it. I find that part so puzzling. It's like, you know, you've already run into the brick wall once and this is not, Hey, I'm going to run through the brick wall for my head coach. This is like, no, you're slamming your head into a brick wall here. And why would you keep doing that over and over and over again? And yet exactly. that's kind of, what, kind of what Oklahoma did versus TCU. And so it was so frustrating to watch the Sooners do that. If uh, I mean, if you're not having success in that formation, it's okay to, th this is one of the things that we talked about at times with Lincoln Riley and you know, I'm going to be fair here, and I'm going to say the same thing about Brent Venables and Ted Roof that we said about some of the previous coaches. Don't be the smartest guy in the room. If it's not working, do something different. Don't prove or have this, this statement that you have to make, like, we can play this defense. Okay, well, you can't right now, so play something different. So I, I totally agree with you. That's, that's, yeah, that's it, defensively. Yeah, and the, the one of the things that I found frustrating when listening to Ted Roof's press conference on, on Monday was – this attitude that we just got to keep doing what we're doing, that the, that the work really is, or what, what's going to happen on the practice field is going to translate to the foot, to the, to the game field. And I'm like, okay, you said you practiced well last week. And then we saw TCU happen. So does the practice field matter? I mean, it doesn't matter. Like you can have a great practice, but if it doesn't translate to Saturday, then it doesn't matter. And so like, this is just the attitude, like, Oh, we got to keep doing what we're doing. We got to keep, you know, trying to make adjustment or, you know, just get better. We just got to get better. Like, I feel like that's oversimplifying things. Like as a coaching staff, you also have to get better. You have to understand what you can't do well and you get it, got to get out of it. If you guys, if your guys don't understand zone coverage, you can't understand, you know, cover three, cover four, then don't run it. Like run more man, run more press man, cover two situation, cover one. I know it. I know I got killed for this in the comment section on YouTube months ago or about a month ago, but it's simple. It's simpler. You don't have to have as many reads. You know who your guy is. You guard him. You get a little bit of safety help over the top. And that safety is not responsible for playing that cover three and having to read multiple wide receivers and make a decision. He's just there to, to follow the quarterback's eyes and make plays on the football. Your cornerbacks, they're just guarding who they're guarding. And so I'd like for them, I'd like for them to simplify things a little bit. I don't know if they're going to, I think they're going to continue to do what they're doing because as you kind of alluded to just this idea of being the smartest man in the room, 
I felt like Ted Roof's comments today was just, we got to get better. And I just, again, I felt like that just oversimplified things a little bit. And I hope the coaches understand like they themselves have to get better at seeing what's happening on the field and making adjustments to it too. I'm not here to say that I'm smarter than Ted Roof or Brent Venables or anything like that. But as somebody who's watching the games and analyzing it, some of my thoughts, I just think that they could do a better job at getting back into situations and formations that would benefit this team, both against the run and against the pass. Like if you can rush the, the passer with four down linemen, you need to do that. If you can't with three, then get out of rushing with three. And I know you're sending that fourth blitzer, but run with four down linemen and then send a fifth blitzer. Like you're going to get yourself exposed at times, but get into situations where you're going to be able to affect the passer a little bit more than they were able to on Saturday. So any, anything else that you want to mention on that before we, before we go to the next break, Josh? Hey, if you want to play a four, three or, you know, a four, two, five, and it doesn't work, well then play all the, the three, three, you know, stack that you want, but until then get the heck out of that thing and go back to what you did. That was actually working against uh, the first three opponents and working really well, right? I mean, you're getting a ton of TFLs and sacks and I get the level of competition has clearly cranked up for OU and, you know, maybe Oklahoma has played a little tease here for you. Maybe Oklahoma's played the two best teams in the big 12 conference. But that being said, I mean, man, come on, put yourself in a position to be more successful. Exactly. And you can be more successful in your diet choices by checking out Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? They've got a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to their new fa- their new flavor. One of my new favorites, cookie dough chunk puffs. They've got a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered 100% in real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they've got a whopping 15 grams of protein for you. Low in sugar, low calorie, high protein. The perfect snacks for you if you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to bulk up, you're just trying to find meal replacements. Built is the place to go. So run to built.com, snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them all for yourself. I've had to do that with my kids. My daughter is always trying to take my cookie dough chunk puffs. So make sure you find a good spot for yours. Like all built bars, the cookie dough chunk puff is hundred percent covered in chocolate, which means they're healthy and tasty and covered chuck covered cookie dough chunk with a light fluffy texture. It's so good. So go to built.com use promo code locked on 15 and get 15% off your next order over at built.com using promo code locked on 15. Okay, Josh, we faced Kansas state who just had a really good game against Texas tech as well. We faced TCU who rolled the Sooners. You asked me the question. I'll pose it to you first. Have the Sooners played the two best teams in the big 12 this far? I don't think so. And I hate to be, (laughs) I'm like the most negative person. I I feel like these last couple of days Uh, and I, you know, but it's an interesting question. You, I hope so. Right. I mean, if they have, then, okay, well, at least there's, I guess a little bit of a positive there that maybe you got gashed a little bit by Adrian Martinez and Kansas state that have really found something. Maybe Max Duggan and TCU, that offense, with Garrett Riley and company, maybe they're just pulling all the right strings in 2022 and they're going to light up everybody this season. And those are, I mean, maybe that's a big 12 championship preview. Those two teams, Kansas state and TCU. I'm still sticking with the idea that 
maybe we saw the Big 12 championship preview this past weekend between Oklahoma State and Baylor. And if that's the case, again, this is an interesting question for Oklahoma because if the answer is yes, okay, well, now you've got those two out of the way. If the answer is no, then it's, oh, no, you've still got Texas this week. You welcome in Baylor. You welcome in Oklahoma State. You've got all these other pieces to the schedule. It's a, it's a fascinating question. I mean, really the bottom line is Oklahoma has to get better in a hurry regardless, right? But I guess it would be some solace if, in fact, you had played the, played the two best teams. Yeah, so I'll just give you my top five and my power rankings, my Big 12 power rankings over at Sooners Wire. I still had Oklahoma State at number one. I think you know Spencer Sanders is playing really, really good football right now. They, as a team, are playing solid on both sides of the ball. Their defense isn't what it was last year, but I think their offense is better. Number two, I had Kansas. I mean, the Kansas Jayhawks. That offense, I fear it, and they played really great defense against Iowa State, holding them to just 11 points. Number three, I had Kansas State, the Wildcats. Number four was Baylor and number five was TCU. And so I, I, you know, you've played two of those five teams. We get Texas this week, who I think is going to be a tough matchup for Oklahoma. They're not the best team in the big 12, but they're going to be a really difficult matchup. So I'm, I'm kind of with you that I still think Oklahoma state is one of the best two teams in the conference. Uh, I think Baylor is still one of the better teams in the conference. It just hasn't gone well from early in the season with losses to BYU and now to Oklahoma State, two highly ranked teams in the in the country right now. So no shame in those losses, except you know Baylor was a team that was looking at contending for a college football playoff spot this year. They can still work themselves back into a Big 12 title, title uh, contention and back into Arlington, but uh, the, the playoff is probably out the window like it is for Oklahoma now. But... I, I, that Kansas game, man, it has me worried. They have not shown the capability of stopping the quarterback run, especially the read option. And Jalen Daniels has been absolutely deadly, both throwing the football and running the football. So that, that one gives me a lot of pause. Um, like you, like I talked about with Oklahoma state, but I think TCU and Kansas state are just right there. They've shown that they're really, really good football teams or that Oklahoma is just a really, really bad football team. I think we'll find out more as the season progresses. Uh, this week we get TCU and Kansas. They're getting to, or Kansas is getting to host college game day. So that's kind of fun up in Lawrence. And so we'll find out a little bit more about these two teams as they go to go head to head. And only one of those teams will emerge still undefeated on the season. So that's kind of where I land with that. Um, what do you think about Kansas being one of the better two teams in the conference? Is that, unreasonable to think i mean they got big road wins over west virginia over houston uh got the win over iowa state in a tough defensive battle i'm not ready to go there until they win this week at home versus tcu uh you know everything's kind of stacking up for them to do just that though with game day being there the environment's going to be crazy obviously they got to go out and, and earn the thing but no i mean like if you ask me to power rank right now and i love what kansas is doing and i would absolutely have them ranked I would probably have them as, you know, one of the 20 best teams for me right now, just based on what they've done so far, certainly a top 25 team. But if you asked me truth serum, who do I think is better? I think Oklahoma state, Kansas state, TCU to me are all right now better in my mind than Kansas. Now that narrative flips quickly. If they beat TCU at home this week, then all of a sudden, you know, to me, Kansas is uh, one of the top three teams clearly in the big 12 conference to that stage, uh, you know, of the season. But right now, no, you know, I, I, I hate to say that. Sorry, rock shockers out there. I just need to see one more week, one more week. And then I'm completely bought in they, They're, Let me be clear, vastly, vastly improved. And it's a good football team, but this is a really good league 
right now. And if you're asking me if they're one of the top two teams, no, I'm not quite ready to go there yet. I mean, and I totally get where you're coming from on, on Kansas state being the number two team, because Adrian Martinez has looked like a Heisman contender the last two weeks. The dude is just playing phenomenal football right now. Uh, and I, I love the big 12 this year. It's really fun because there's so many good teams that you don't know really how this thing is going to finish when we get to December. I mean, this thing is going to be a tight race through November. I, even though Oklahoma's already got two conference losses, they're not completely out of it because of the depth of the conference. Now they got to go out and win some football games or it's not going to matter. But with the depth of the conference, there's still a very real possibility that they can find themselves in Arlington come December playing for the big 12 title. Yeah. They got to win seven in a row to, to do that. Um, and it starts this week versus Texas, but uh, Hey, two years ago, they did that. I, I don't know. This one just feels different to me. I, I, I just have zero faith right now that Oklahoma is going to do that, but I would love to be incorrect. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to channel some optimism. It ain't no problem. That ain't no problem. Some, some Shannon Sharp for you uh, from uh, what what's the undisputed. There is their debate show. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's going to be another great week of college football action, man. Red river. It, this is the first time in a while that I've not felt great heading into red river. Um, which probably means Oklahoma wins this thing by a couple touchdowns. Cause that's usually how things go is you feel really confident and then Texas comes up and gets you. But I don't know if they're gonna show improvement, it's gotta be this week, even if they lose, but it's a, a they play well, that'll be something, you know, like you gotta, you gotta take some of that. Obviously it'll still sting. It'll suck if they lose to Texas for the third loss in a row, but I kind of just want to see them play well. Like play a good football game. If you get beat, you get beat, but just play a good football game on both sides of the football and, and make some plays on both sides of the football. A lot of, I mean, we're going to have to monitor the health stuff because I feel like that could play a huge factor into this game. If you're still down one of your two or both of your offensive tackles, your starting safety and Billy Bowman, one of your wide receivers and Theo Wees, one of your running backs and either Eric Gray or Marcus major. So health is going to, be a factor. It's not, it's not an excuse. There's no excuses for being injured. It for having an injury riddled team. I mean, the player gets an excuse for being injured, but it, it's not going to go well if Oklahoma loses to Texas. So I, I just want to see him play better at this point, like play better, be better, be more consistent, start fast. We'll see what happens. I hear you. I mean, look, if you're going to lose the football game, don't look helpless defensively doing it. I mean, show show everybody, show us here on Lockdown Sooners. Show everybody on YouTube, baby. We need some positivity back. I'm sorry out there, everybody. My charge for all of you is I will try and be positive about Oklahoma tomorrow. But we we need that, right? We need some hope that Oklahoma can, can in fact, win football games coming down the home stretch of this season. Obviously, the number one tonic for that would be winning the game. But if you're not going to win the game, just don't look helpless uh, losing it. Yeah. Last note, the positivity here. Texas lost to Texas Tech two weeks ago. So there you go. In a game where I think Donovan Smith threw two interceptions. So if they can get win the turnover battle and still lose a football game, then that should give you a little bit of optimism for where Texas is at. They bounced back with a big win over West Virginia, but still, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to a little bit of hope with that Texas tech loss, but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in, subscribing to the show, wherever you get your podcasts We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. 
We're going to continue to break down this game. We'll get you ready for the Texas Longhorns with our crossover with uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Davis. Thank you. <laughs> At John Zobal on Twitter uh, this week as we do our, our get our preview of this week's game. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.